It's nice just to appreciate that we have this hour to practice loving-kindness together. Just want to review quickly the, or at least four of the fruits of the practice. So the first fruit that we get by doing this formal loving-kindness practice is for this period of time we can abide in wholesome states and that is pleasurable here and now. So when our mind isn't worrying or planning or evaluating whether we're doing a good job on retreat, but instead, as best we can, over and over again, sending out a good wish to ourselves or to someone else, that's abiding in wholesome states. Abiding in wholesome states is a pleasant abiding. So just on that basic level, the practice should feel good. Now, it won't always feel good because sometimes we're not abiding in pleasant states. We're moving in that direction. We're starting over again. But that's one of the benefits of the practice is that, at least at times, we really do abide in pleasant states or wholesome states. And it's a refreshment for the mind, like a vacation from whatever else our mind might be abiding with. And then uh, cultivating the loving-kindness practice in a formal way will change your mindfulness practice. Because whether you realize it or not, um, most of us, you know, we see it at least at times, our mindfulness practice sometimes is under the influence of impatience and aversion and fear. And the more we cultivate loving-kindness in a more systematic, formal, intensive way like we do for this hour, then it will stand out because we know, the, we, more, we know more clearly the experience of loving-kindness, that basic goodness of the heart. And then when the mind is aversive, even in a subtle way, in a sort of background kind of way, it just stands out. And it's just easier for the mind, for mindfulness to recognize the presence of aversion in the mind or to see fear. Oh, this is just fear. So that's another benefit. It's also useful as an antidote. So when we do it formally, then the mind knows the habit of doing loving kindness practice. And then if there are strong states of fear or aversion that have been triggered for whatever reason, we can actually pick up the formal practice then as a kind of medicine to bring the mind back into balance when we have a lot of anger, hostility, fear. And it doesn't mean we do the loving kindness for the person that we have a lot of anger for. It doesn't really matter because if we can cultivate a mind of loving kindness, there's really no space in that mind for hostility, anger, or fear. So that's how we can break that cycle. You know, sometimes we really get caught in aversive states, fear or hatred or whatever. And we, more than anything, we just need to break the cycle. And doing the formal loving kindness practice for whoever is easy or whoever we're inclined to do it for can break that cycle. It's one of the ways to break that cycle. And then finally, we do the metta practice, the loving kindness practice to uh, expand it basically, to bring it to fruition, which means we start with very specific people that are easy to connect with, easy to have loving, generous wishes for. And then we train, it's a training, to expand that out until we can include all beings, seen and unseen, near and far, 
So today we'll go, we'll continue expanding that circle and we'll include neutral people. So I'll just say a few words about that before we begin. So a neutral person is somebody who we don't have any particularly strong positive or negative feelings for. Could be the person who sits behind you or sits to the left or the right of you right now on retreat. Or the person whose bedroom is next to yours, who you've seen going in and out so you can, you have a visual image of who they are but you don't really know anything about them and you don't have any particular strong feeling about them. They're just another person. Could be some clerk at a store you go to all the time or somebody who works in the same place you work, a neighbor down the street. And like with all the categories, it's not hard to figure out when we're doing the category of ourself, but then for the benefactor and the dear friend and the neutral person, It's nice just to select one person because as a formal training, we don't want to be thinking who to do. So once you've chosen your benefactor or, you know, the easy person, that's another way of saying the benefactor, you have yourself, you have the benefactor, you have a dear friend. It doesn't mean you only have one dear friend, but for the purposes of this practice and this training, you have a specific dear friend that you work with. And then same with the neutral person. There are a lot of neutral people in our lives. But let's just check or choose one neutral person that we'll work with. And the basic feeling that I think you'll recognize is for most of us, most of the time, it's clear that we wish for safety, that we wish for happiness. And then for the neutral person, it's this extension. In the same way that I wish for happiness here and now in my heart, I recognize that same wish exists in that other person. That in this way, they're not different than me. They wish for happiness. They wish for safety. And very much the same way that I wish for happiness and safety. So we're recognizing that commonality. And it moves the heart. Because we understand that wish for safety and happiness. So we can understand that same wish in them for their happiness and safety. And then it's a very simple step to join them in their own wish for their own happiness and safety. May you also be safe. May you also be happy and peaceful, healthy and free from pain and taking care of your life with ease. So the basic phrases. But we'll begin like we always do with the neutral or with the easy person, yourself or a benefactor. And then to the next one. So if you start with yourself, then on to the benefactor, dear friend, neutral person. So those categories today. And then there'll be time for questions and discussion at the end. So whatever you can do to sit comfortably. So today I'll begin the phrases as if we're working with ourself at the beginning, but if you're working with a benefactor, then just, of course, change the phrase. And I'll go through it a few times, but not as much as the first day. So we're sitting comfortably, feeling the heart center, the great sensitivity of this heart, the heart that cares, the heart that's touched by life, 
and we bring to mind this life right here. I care about this life. May I be safe and protected in all ways. May this heart be happy and peaceful. And may this body be healthy and free from pain. May I take care of this life with ease and joy. Connect with the meaning of each phrase. May this life be safe and protected in all ways. And may this heart be happy and peaceful. May the body be healthy and free from pain. And may I take care of this life with ease and joy. And just continue on your own now. You know this is a safe, harmless practice. So if there's any resistance, just continue with the practice. Do your best, one phrase after the other. Connect with the meaning of the words so that you make it real, like you actually mean this phrase that's being repeated in the mind.
willing to begin again and again. Use the three parts of feeling the heart center, visualizing or having a felt sense of the person, and then the use of the phrase. Feel free to continue with this easy person yourself or your benefactor. But when you're ready, then switch to the other category. So if you began with yourself, eventually move on doing the practice for the benefactor.
again. Be willing to begin again and again in a gentle but persistent way, bringing the person to mind. And of course, if the feelings of loving kindness become quite strong, then you can let go of the phrases for a period of time and just bring the attention to the strength of that feeling of loving kindness toward the person. And then as that fades, then then bring the phrases back in.
And when you're ready to transition, just bring to mind a dear friend. Again, remember, and you can always go back to an easier person if that feels appropriate.
And if your practice seems steady enough, then bring to mind a neutral person when you're ready. And just take some time and reflect, as I mentioned earlier, how just as I wish to be safe and happy, this person also has that same wish to be safe and happy. And then just begin with the phrases after that reflection. And you can always come back to it, just connecting your own wish for safety and happiness and ease with their very same wish.
as best you can, being persistent, feeling the heart, remembering the person, offering each phrase as a simple gift of your good wish.
And then we'll take the last minute, release the repetition of the phrases, abiding with this loving heart, the heart that cares, a heart that's sensitive, Free to stretch out your legs if you need to. And we'll take a little time for questions about uh, loving kindness or practice of metta. What comes to mind? Yes. I think there is some room for creativity in the practice and you have to be pragmatic about what works and about whether the imagery you're using that you're drawing up or bringing up is creating uh, confusion in the mind. Like, would that be, would it be better if the metal looked this way? You know, any sort of (laughs) proliferation that takes us out of the practice. So clearly it really helps the, the visual image is part of the concentration. It's like we're gathering the energy of the mind around the feeling of loving kindness. And to do that, we use the person and we use any memory or images that we can have for the person. So imagining them happy or living in a wholesome way um, can really support the practice as long as it isn't too complicated and causes the mind to proliferate. Yeah, thanks for asking the question. Yes. Yeah, so the she asked or she mentioned that she usually does the phrases with her breath and just wondering if that's okay. And yeah, I think that's okay. Uh, again, 
this is, we give you sort of a, a more formal structure, but as you, first I just recommend people take up the formal structure, but then all these things, it's just a matter of whether they support the intention of the practice. And uh, especially if you were watching the breath anyway in your practice, then it can create a nice rhythm for the repetition of the phrases with the breath. And you might even do it, you know, the offering with the exhalation, the offering of the goodwill or the good wish. But yeah, I think that makes sense. It can be, yeah. And remember, there are two other parts besides the repetition of the phrase. There's feeling the heart, the energetic center, and then there's remembering the person. So you have to work at that. And generally, the easiest thing, for as hard as it is to keep repeating a phrase or saying a phrase, it's relatively easy to make the mind do that. But it's more, there's sort of, an integrity to the practice. So it's not just repeating the phrase, but we're asking the mind to comprehend what it has just said and to check to see if there's, like, it actually feels that phrase, that wish that it just repeated in its mind. So we're looking for a connection, like that those words connect with an actual sense of connection with that living being. So that's one thing. And to do that, you have to have the image, whether you're being creative and imagining imagining them meditating or in a meadow, beautiful place, happy, or just some simple felt sense of the person. But that's work. It's like remembering the person. And the mind isn't like just once, but we have to keep, not obsessively, but throughout the practice, we're regenerating the sense, the felt sense of the person, the picture of the person or image or some uh, imagining of that person being happy. So we're doing those, t- and then feeling the heart center. Again, not trying to, not looking for a particular feeling, but we're sort of using the heart center as a barometer. So when there's a, a more real connection, like a real sense of offering good wishes to somebody we care about, generally there's some movement, some feeling in the heart. But you can't make it happen. All you can do is bring a lot of sincerity to the three parts. Feel the heart, real sense of connection with a living being that you can bring to mind from easy to more expansive or more difficult people. And uh, the phrases are a gift so that out of that sense of connection, you're offering a gift of your good wish. So I would just, it's easy because it's hard work to do all of these things. It's like juggling. You're doing a bunch of things. And what we really like when the mind gets tired, it just wants to be told what to do. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. But we don't, we're not going to do it in a wholehearted way. So that's actually the hard part of the practice is remaining wholehearted through it. It's, it's not easy. And you'll find yourself spacing out, but that's just normal. So you begin again. And generally when we begin again, we have to remember the person. So take a few moments to, don't rush back to the phrase. Take a, a few moments to really connect. There is this living being that I, I actually care about. And then once that's reestablished, then send a, a phrase that represents 
that sense that I actually care about this person. I wish well for them. Yeah, for some people, starting with her, she, asked, she said it may be easier to start with a teacher than for herself. Or it could be a teacher, could be some mentor in your life, but who basically, wherever it's easy, that's the place to start. For some people, that classic benefactor teacher role is really easy for them. For other people, it's like a granddaughter, a niece, a pet, uh, a little girl who lives two doors down from you that you just have this really sweet connection with something like that. So you have to be, just see who comes to mind as an easy person. Uncomplicated feelings of goodwill toward that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you recommend we integrate this into our practice at home? Is it follow mindfulness meditation or repeat it or stand up? All of those <laughs> before you go to bed. When you wake up, some people, you know, if, if for whatever reason it feels like a, a healing, useful practice, you could take it up for a period of time. Some people, like I and many of the teachers, have done it for many months intensively on retreat, uh, like a six-week retreat, just doing the metta phrases for that six weeks. And then it really becomes sort of part of the fabric of the mind to bring up the phrases um, so there's no right or wrong way. You can follow your nose or intuition about how you want to do it. But something simple like doing a little bit at the end of each sit. So if you have 45 minutes, maybe save 5 or 10 minutes for some loving kindness practice at the very end. Or do it right at the very beginning because it's a nice way to set the tone for the practice. So to do, this is what I normally do in my first sit during my daily life. I'll do the refuges and precepts just silently in my mind. And then I'll do some loving kindness practice for a while, five to 10 minutes. And it's just a nice way to begin. And a lot of times my mind doesn't want to do it, but I just make myself do it every single day, some loving kindness practice at the beginning. And I really, I really appreciate that because it keeps the thread of it alive and it's, uh, it's reinforcing that, that whole practice or that whole movement of my mind where I'm remembering somebody or all beings and practice having these generous good wishes for whomever I'm bringing to mind. And it also helps me with specific individuals in my life that are important people in my life to transform my relationship with them. And it also helps me work with people who are difficult in my life because I'll bring them to mind too regularly. And then over time, that relationship changes because of those few moments every morning where they've been brought to mind and seen in a different light or I've practiced seeing them in a different light and sometimes more successfully, sometimes less successfully. So I recommend finding some way to do it every day. Another time to do it, like if you have a dog you walk or if you just walk for exercise instead of just letting your mind wander, that's a good time to do the metta phrases. And you could start, like if you... Minneapolis, we have lots of lakes and rivers. People tend to walk around a lake or walk along a river. And you might take like the first 10 minutes or so or 15 minutes and do a more formal recitation like we're doing today. But then for the rest of the time, you could be just like you see somebody coming at you. You know, it's a perfect neutral person. You don't know the first thing about this person. 
except maybe a little what they look like, and just to be sending loving kindness, wishes of compassion toward them. And, uh, you know, so you can just sort of play it. Whoever comes, you see a squirrel, you see a bird, you see somebody driving by who seems to be in a rush, you know, smoking a cigarette on the cell phone, <laughs> arguing with the person next to him in the car. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just like natural moment to do some compassion phrases for them. I care about your suffering. May your heart be at ease in your life with the conditions as they are. So that's a nice way just out in the world or having your lunch outside and after you finish, just who's ever moving about in front of you, you can just practice in that way. So to, to make it really natural too. So we're learning a very formal way of doing it, which is very supportive for concentration, which is really nice complement to the other practices we're doing. But out in the world, it's good to keep a little thread of the formal practice, five or ten minutes every day, but then informally play with it. That's a, that's a really good thing to do. I remember Jack Kornfield said once in a group I was in, uh, he had just finished his own retreat, I think for a couple of weeks, and somebody asked, well, how are you practicing? And he had this great answer. He said, oh, I just sort of, I mean, I, I'm sure this wasn't the sum total of his practice, but his answer was something like, well, I just sort of walked around and just blessed everything. I practiced <laughs> blessing everything I came across. And that might seem a little like arrogant to think we can bless, but there's nothing arrogant or wrong about sending out our good wishes in this way. And it is a kind of blessing. We're sending out our good wish. as a, We're offering it as a blessing. May you be happy. Yeah. Yeah, thanks so much for that. That's a great tip. And you'll find lots of tips like this just from trial and error, and it's really great to hear them. It's one of the nice things we do at the center. Once a month, we do this practice formally together. This is an urban center, not a retreat center. And uh, then we always have a discussion, and we get so many great ideas from people who have just, in their own life, just been discovering how to find their way back Love. Now, some people haven't received a lot of love in their life, and that may not be an easy practice. But for those of you who have been fortunate enough to be the recipients of a lot of that unconditional love in your life, that's an excellent way to initiate the practice. Maybe time for one more comment. Yeah, so absolutely. Now, we're, like I said, we're doing a more formal practice that has several uh, intentions, one being concentration, so we're keeping it pretty simple. But absolutely, in your own practice, to bring those people to mind. And uh, later in the week, Kamala or Deborah will be giving instructions for bringing difficult people to mind. But it doesn't sound like this person is a difficult person. She mentioned that the person used to be difficult but feels a resolve now, at least in your part, in terms of your heart. 
And, uh, but yeah, naturally we're inclined to bring the person to mind as a sort of a way to sort of finish any healing that needs anything that needs to be done between us. And this is a great thing about those conflicts, difficult people we've had in our life. It doesn't really depend on actually, I mean, it's nice sometimes when we can meet with them and work things out, but for some of those conflicts, we'll never meet that person again, or they'll never want to meet with us, or it doesn't feel safe for us to meet with them. But we can really resolve in our own heart anything that's left over from the conflict. If we just work with it with wisdom uh, and skill and using the loving kindness and compassion and forgiveness practices. So let's leave it here. There's a little time for walking before the evening meal. Thanks everyone for your comments. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.